Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here, but much more importantly, author and former professional baseball player Jim Campanis Jr. is our very special guest. Born into baseball laughter and heartache at the edge of. Of the Show is the name of the book. Everyone should go out and get it. It's a meaningful book. Uh, Jim Campanis Jr., welcome. Uh, thanks, Frank. Excited to be here. Yeah, well, excited to to speak to you. It's an interesting book, and you come from a long line of, uh, of folks uh, from the baseball, uh, your third generation, professional baseball. And Al Campanis Jr., uh, Al Campanis, I should say, uh, who's... Uh, known for well he should be known for signing sandy koufax and roberto clemente and and those folks uh and you, of course your dad jim campanis and and now yourself um three generations uh it's it's a lot of baseball in the family no doubt and, you know that was the reason the book even kind of came out because i i'd actually sit around and, and, I, and after baseball i got into marketing and advertising and i sit around and and with my friends and, and a lot of them are baseball fans and let them just tell some stories and they're like, man, you got to write that down. And, and I tell them another one, they're like, no way, you got to write that down. And so before I knew it, I had written 175 of them down and I still have plenty more. I just, <laughs> I, I just use it as an exercise sometimes just to stay, you know, sharp with my writing. I was asked to write, you know, con- copy for websites and asked to write commercials and things like that. So when, when business was a little slow, I just started writing those. And, and sometimes I put them on Facebook and, you know, the reactions I would get back was like blowing me away. And I'm thinking, man, maybe there's something here. And so one of my Facebook friends who's an author um, just continued to compliment me on these stories. And he finally said, look, I'm going to introduce you to my publisher. He publishes only baseball books. Uh, it's called Summer Game Summer Game Books. And I, I thought, yeah, what, what could that hurt? Before I know it, the guy's like, you know, I'm meeting him in New York City to sign a, a, a publishing deal. It's kind of crazy, you know. So uh, really exciting. It kind of happened uh, on accident. Um and now I'm actually in the process of writing a second book about hitting that's been greenlighted by my publisher. And um, I'm about uh, three quarters of the way through that. Hope to get that out by the end of the year. And it's very hardcore um, hitting and then the mental, the mental side of it, which I believe is more important really than the physical side. And then I have the insight from some of my friends that I used to play with, like Brett Boone and David Buford and Jeff Cirillo and some other guys who are going to help me understand like how they thought in certain situations or how they would would prepare um, to, to face somebody you know that was kind of tough. So these kind of things. It's it, 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 this, the, growing up in baseball in a baseball family. Like I knew about this stuff when I was like eight, you know. So uh, it was kind of a surprise to me when I started, you know, um, being asked to train some of my friends' kids. Then and some of these kids like had scholarships already, and I, I couldn't believe though what their their mental processes were, and, and pretty much they just didn't have any, you know, and. You know, you can you can get away with that in Little League, but once you get into a competitive high school or college situation, like you really need to have what we call the approach. And so that that's been uh, it's, it's, this whole thing's taken on a life of itself, and it's definitely changed my life for the better. It's been a lot of it's been a fun run so far. You know, the more and more you hear about players and and their and their parents and you know grandparents, there's a long line of of uh, baseball. Uh, within all these folks, and you know, a lot of them are minor league players, or a lot of them played uh, semi-pro, or something along those lines. But very few people just jump right to you know major leagues without having some kind of direction from somebody who was 
a professional baseball player. It's a, it's a, it's a big deal, and there are all these obstacles that I guess uh, would naturally come up. And when you know somebody or you you meet somebody who can kind of uh, direct you, uh, it, I guess it makes it easier. Before you respond to that, let me remind folks that are just tuning in or turning on their radio. This is Frank McKay, but more importantly, author. Jim Campanis Jr., uh, born into baseball laughter and heartache at the edge of the show, is the name of the book. Perform, uh, former uh, professional baseball player and, and a long line of uh, uh, Campanises and uh, a lot, uh, just a tremendous amount of baseball in that, uh, in that family. Uh, having said all of that, the, the idea that folks are getting, even Robinson Cano, right? I mean, his father, I think, played uh, you know well into the minor leagues. Um, and, you know, of, of course, the Aloos, you know, there's a long line of Aloos there. And, uh, you know, the, everyone knows about Griffey and, and so forth. But a lot of players uh, have these folks to, uh, to to look at and to help guide through. Is that genes or is that uh, is, is it um, direction? Is it giving them an idea well, of where the potholes are or both? So yeah, it's funny because uh, I have a, 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 a guy who's a scout. He's a, he's a friend of mine, and, and uh, last time I saw him, my my son was about. I have two sons, and, and um, my youngest one was about fourteen, and he kept saying, "Hey, I want to go see him play." And I go, "Dude, he's fourteen. He's playing like in pony ball, you know, like in travel ball." He's like, "Well, that's when I want to see him because I want to see if he's got the same genes you had." And I go, "Really? You're like you're looking at." So there is something to, to be said about the DNA factor. You yeah. know, a lot, of, a lot of these guys, you know, the, the, the size now is important. So, you know, big mom, big dad, big kid, you know, that's kind of what, what the thing is. But, you know, there's, there's also something about, you know, uh, and I know this because I would watch TV with my grandpa and my dad. And, and I wrote this story in my book, and it's called, it, 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 my, my, my parents, my, my grandparents, I should say my grandpa and my dad would watch the games play cancer that they would twitch, you know, when, when it was time to swing the bat, like they, their, their body clock was still going. And we call it, we call it the game clock, you know? So for example, a guy hit the ground ball to shortstop, like I can already think in my head how long it's going to take before the runner is going to get to first base. And so as a, as a shortstop, I was able to, when I, when I played shortstop, like in high school, I could catch the ball and I knew I was going to get him by a foot, a foot and a half or whatever, you know? And so the best players developed this game clock and, and my grandpa and my dad, kind of taught me when I was like about five or six about this game clock and it really helped me but it was really harnessed by watching TV and it was pretty exhausting watching TV with my grandpa because it would be watching a Dodger game for example and this happened for real uh, we were watching a Dodger game and they were playing in Montreal and my grandpa was, was at home he didn't he didn't go on that road trip but he was watching the game you know from a professional point of view and he saw that they had the left fielder played wrong for this particular batter and all of a sudden he gets on the, his home phone and I see him dialing, uh, and all of a sudden, I hear Ben Scully on TV say, oh, it looks like Ron Paranowski is picking up the bullpen phone. They must be getting somebody going. Well, that was actually my grandpa calling <laughs> from 3,000 miles away to tell him to move the left fielder over 10 more feet because this guy's going to hit the ball to left center. I mean, that, that's how kind of I grew up. And honestly, they would seem weird for me when I was a young, when my dad was still playing. It, was, it would have been weird for me to think about like my dad going into the office and then being home at dinner. That wasn't how we lived. That wasn't that. That would have been odd, you know. And uh, and 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 for not, and my for my dad to not go on a two week road trip, that would have been weird. And for him not to go to Mexico to play winter ball, like like that was our normal life, you know. So I think the players that come, you know, the, the hardest thing about adapting to the to the lifestyle of, of pro baseball 
is the sacrifice. And I never looked at it. In fact, to me, it was fun. By the way, I've spent over five years of my life. I'll be 50 next month. And so 10% of my life, basically, um, has been spent in a hotel room, you know. Yeah. And then that goes back to when I was a kid, to when uh, I was a player. And to this day, I still do business trips and my book signings and stuff. But um, at the end of the day, like, I love hotels. But for whatever reason, because I guess, you know, I just was born into that whole, it, this was fun to me. It was fun to go on a road trip. It was fun to, to, to go see dad play ball in some big stadium and people cheer for him. You know, that, and I think that's part of what, what makes the second generation and third generation guys um, it, it's easy for them to, 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 to deal with the hard stuff. And then someone who's never dealt with the real challenging part of the game, you know, and I talked about this, you know, the travel and the, and the accommodations and getting bounced around from team to team. Well, to me, like that was fine with me. That was, that was kind of normal. That was what was what to be expected. But I, I do know players that didn't get that kind of guidance and they kind of got burned out uh, on the lifestyle because they weren't prepared for it when they got there. You know? Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I heard a a mother of a uh, of a Yankee prospect uh, once uh, once say that she was so concerned about her son. Uh, the prospect he didn't uh, he didn't go past Double uh, A, but one of the things uh, that happened is is when he got away from his mother. She was a very doting Dominican mom, and she cooked for him, she cleaned for him, she did his laundry, she did this. All of a sudden, he was on his own and living with another guy, and he had no idea how to do any of these things he had no idea even how to shop right or anything like that so right. all of a sudden he's got to uh, got to learn you know his skills he's got to learn how to play shortstop a major league shortstop or eventually major league shortstop and he has to learn how to hit curveballs and everything else that comes along but at the same time he's got to learn how to be an adult and uh, you know that made me think and again my kids never went past little league and you know i always coached little league so i wasn't thinking along those lines but immediately when i heard that I said, you know what? Uh, my kids are going to learn how to cook. My kids are going to learn how to how to uh, you know spend their money. They're going to learn how to shop. They're going to do this at a, at a uh, very low age, at a very young age. And I, so this won't be a concern when they go to college or or whatever. Let me remind folks: Frank McKay here, but much more importantly, author Jim Campanis Jr. Born into baseball, laughter and heartache. At the edge of the show is the name of the book. You can get it. I, I assume Jim on uh, Amazon and uh, everywhere they yeah, sell. Yeah, it actually books. got to, yeah, it got to number one on Amazon last year on uh, Father's Day. It was quite exciting. And then uh, we also learned that a lot of uh, baseball fans they like autographs that stuff. So I started up warningtobaseball.com where you can get an autograph version of the book. And my dad also autographs it. And then we we include um, I go, I call him a. You know, a bookmarker, uh, you know, baseball bookmarkers, but there's one of each of the generations, my grandpa, my dad, and myself. Uh, so we have these three bookmarkers in there as well, and they're signed too. So, uh, although my grandpa's passed, we have a, we, we, we did a copy of a, of an autographed, uh, eight by ten of his and, and shrunk it down. And so his, his picture's in there as a, as a Brooklyn Dodger player. So, yeah, born into baseball.com for the autograph books. And then, of course, uh, you can just uh, search it out on Amazon and, and uh, get either the Kindle version or the, paperback version on Amazon. Yeah, it's a it's a horrible example, especially uh, you know within the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, the news of OJ. But OJ Simpson, at uh, at one point in his life, I remember him talking about an interview before the killings and all that, right? But uh, he he was talking in an interview and they showed it, um, you know, I guess during the during the killings, he said he met Willie Mays at a young age, you know, like when he was in high school. And he said when he saw Willie Mays, his uncle like brought him to the house or something like that. It was like some amazing thing. And here he is. He's, you know, he's growing up in San Francisco and he sees 
uh, you know, this heroic figure of, of everyone. I mean, Mr. You know, uh, basically Mr. Baseball, right? I mean, you know, Willie Mays, one of the great players of all time. And he sees him and he's like, you know, he's, you know, African-American like me. He's about the same size as me. I'm about the same speed as him. I'm this, you know, he's flesh and blood. And it, it broke down any barrier thinking that, hey, I can't be a professional athlete. I'm looking at a guy and he's flesh and blood. And, uh, you know, I can talk to him. Now, you know, it, another point, and it has, you know, similar uh, uh, consequences, I guess, to the point, but uh, there's never been a, for example, a, an American president that has not met another American president before uh, they were elected. So in other words, other than George Washington, of course, right, of being the first, but right, they all right. met him. You know, it's this lofty thing it's this you know being a professional athlete being a professional baseball player is a lofty mind mind-blowing thing mind-numbing thing to to so many kids it's like well how can i do that come on how am i going to do it well and i i i never thought of it that way but i think that that's a good a very a very good point because i knew my dad was a human you know and uh, and i knew his teammates were also um human because i was right there and i saw them make mistakes and i saw them you know uh super depressed and super happy, you know, the gamut of the human emotion. They weren't robots. They weren't, you know, um, like dropped down and ordained by God to be major league baseball players. They worked their butts off. And that was the part that I saw that you don't really see. Um, Cause right this second, I'm, I'm in a, we're in a different, different time zones, but someone in your time zone right now, who's a major league player is working his butt off at the batting stage right now. And, and, and then about an hour or two in my time zone, they're going to ride to the park and they're going to start working hours and hours and hours before the game, before uh, they even open the gates. These guys have been there for several hours. And so, like, I saw that early, and that really started to, to submit for me, like, oh, well, this is what it takes, you know. Uh, it takes the sacrifice of leaving your family behind. It takes the sacrifice of traveling all over the globe to, 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 just to chase your dream. Um, it, 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 working your butt off all, all 12 months of the year, all of this is what it takes. To basically to live your dream, and uh, and, and again, I, 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 these are things that I've been take, I've taken for granted my whole life because if, that, if, if if your point of view of everything that you grew up with was normal, then it's normal. And when you get thrust into the world of baseball, well, that's not a normal lifestyle, but to me it was. And so, to your point, there's you know just like you said about the president, um, you, you know, I had met so many major league players and played catch with them, and I'm thinking, geez, I can do this, you know. I, I, I'm, I'm hitting the ball in little league. I'm, I'm hitting the ball in high school. I'm hitting the ball in college. Like I could do, you know, cause I had been able to compare my skills with, with theirs, you know? And so that's one of the things I actually do now is I am a, because of the born into baseball book, there were some, some stories in there that were very baseball instructional oriented and also the mental approach. I really believe uh, wholeheartedly in this notion of uh, this concept of um, visualization and preparing mentally before you, you uh, even go to the ballpark. And so, I got this just huge influx of requests to, to, to start training kids. And that's one of the things that I hadn't really thought of. But, yeah, for the first time, maybe this is the first time a, a player who's ever maybe not met a major league player or met a, a pro player, uh, but probably the first time they've been trained by one. And, you know, my goal is to obviously get them to believe in themselves, too. That, to me, that may be the biggest difference. I never, ever once, even in Little League, believed that I couldn't play pro ball. And, and and again, this is this is probably a byproduct of, of growing up. Uh, I don't know if you know this guy. I know uh, he's a good friend of mine, Craig Pocket. Craig, yeah, sure. Um, he played. Uh, 
he played, you know, uh, about, I think, five right? or six. Maybe. He played with the Royals. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, yeah. He came up with, with the A's. I played against him in the minors, and we have a mutual friend, a really good mutual friend. Um, but anyway, uh, Craig and I were sitting around having lunch one day, and, and he's looked from my area here in Southern California, and I asked him about his background. And so he did okay in high school, and then he went to a junior college, and he did okay one year, and he did pretty good the second year, and then he got drafted pretty low, and then he went and he played. And and he said to me, he goes, man, I wish I grew up like you did because I got the pro ball. And, and, I mean, he goes, I even got to college and I didn't. I was still trying to scramble on how to act the right way and, 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 and behave the right way. And he goes, all I knew how to do was just was work hard because I, I, I got working hard. I understood the working hard part. But, like, you guys understood the whole culture. And, and I was constantly being barraged by, you know, um, things that I wasn't aware of. And, for example, like, you know, even just the notion of, hanging out after the game, even though your wife's waiting outside, you know, we still had this camaraderie, this team camaraderie thing. And um, these are things that he just, he, he, he confided in me. He just basically I struggled with the stuff that you probably knew when you were eight years old. So, you know, to your point, I think it is, it, it was a tremendous advantage for me without a doubt. And, and, I, I, and you, I'll go back to the politicians. Uh, you know, just like, you know, we had a father-son Bush, you know, thing. Uh, I know for sure, I'm pretty sure he, he would say it too, it, 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 you know, um, George W. would say that he was influenced by all the people that he met through his father. And it, it made it for him to believe, hey, I can do this too, you know. And, it's, and, it, and in life, right, it, you know, if you have confidence that you can do something and you, and you perform at it, well, you're, you're like, I'm going to take this thing all the way. And, you know, I can say that without a doubt, and, and even though I didn't get to fulfill my ultimate dreams that, that you have when you're a little kid, you know, in baseball, I, I went pretty much further than I probably should have if I was just some kid off the street without this baseball background and this baseball family. It, it, it really, I think, helped me, especially on the, the tenacity side and the competitive side and the, and the because I, I had been taught early about how to deal with all of these adversities and all of this other stuff. So, you know, um, great observation. And I think you're, you're, you hit the nail on the head. And that, you know, that is probably the reason I was able to do, to do what I did. Again, another reminder, Jim Campanis Jr. is our very special guest. He's a long line of Campanises, uh, born into baseball, laughter and heartache at the edge of the show. Frank McKay here uh, with the author of a uh, wonderful book. And, I, you know, I'd be remiss not to, uh, not to bring up uh, your, your grandfather was such a great baseball man, you know, your whole family, but your grandfather, and I'm sure it's, uh, you talk about heartache, it's heartbreaking that uh, he's probably remembered for that one interview where uh, yeah. where it's it brought in brought race into uh, into question and, uh, and and so forth. But uh, I, it must have been very difficult on the family to uh, to realize that here's this great legacy and this is what he's going to be remembered for. Yeah, and that's that's actually one of the things that, and I'm not going to say it's the, it's the main reason, but it's certainly one of the contributing factors that motivated me to write the book. And there is a story. Uh, pretty quick in the book, it's called uh, April 6, 1987. That happens to be the date my grandpa was on, on that infamous Nightline interview. And, um, you know, the, I, I've been, I, my dad and I have been on, you know, Jeremy Schaaf's show uh, on, on TV and on the radio talking about this issue. Um, we, 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 we even look at, you know, kind of what the state of baseball was in 1987 and, and what it's like today. And it really hasn't changed. In fact, I think it's gotten worse. Um, and that, that's one of the things that, you know, we're trying to, and I've had, I've had a couple of people who've written really, really great stuff. Richard Harris, who was the former producer for Nightline, wrote a wonderful, um, 
uh, story that that was uh, that that was picked up by the uh, Associated Press in, in, in every newspaper in the country, basically saying that you know, uh, uh, my grandpa it, it, in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a tough way he exposed baseball's you know um, issues with with uh, you know uh, basically you know there's not enough equal there's not there's two, there's not enough equal uh you know based on the, the way the players are and, and right now for example to not have one latin manager when about 40 percent of the players are latin that's, yeah, that's pretty right. crazy to me yeah. you amazing. know amazing and, uh, uh, you know not to, not to not to cut you off but we're coming up on a break do we have you for a second quick segment I'm sorry. Do we have you for another segment or another quick segment? We're oh, absolutely. Up. Ab- okay. absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Right. I'm here. Sorry to cut you off, but uh, Jim Campanas Jr., author Jim Campanas Jr., former professional baseball player, a long line of of baseball folks, Al Campanas, Jim Campanas Sr., and, and of course now Jim Campanas Jr., Frank McKay, with the off- author of Born into Baseball, Laughter and Heartache at the Edge of the Show. Uh, we'll be back with more from Jim Campanas Jr. right after this. Breaking it down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone back to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with Jim Campanas Jr., uh, the author of a wonderful book, Born into Baseball Laughter and Heartache at the Edge of the Show. Uh, the book uh, it talks of, uh, about uh, everything about being a, uh, a third generation uh, professional uh, baseball player and uh, and the, the heartbreak of, of, I think it was your wrist that was broken, Jim, right? I mean, uh, first of all, welcome back. Yeah. But your wrist was broken on, on, on a foul tip, is it? Yeah, and the, the part that was, the, and I come, the story is told my toughest break because I had been put on the, the major league roster um, the 40-man roster by the Seattle Mariners. This was in '92, and I, I had I had a good season. And it was the time of the year where you know they were going to expand the rosters. And I was told by the manager, "Hey, you know, you're getting your call up. Congratulations!" And uh, we just got to get through these next two games, and uh, and you'll be off to Seattle. And I thought, "Oh, how awesome!" You know. And that very game, he told me the third pitch of the game, the sport, the future major leaguer Willie Green, he fouled a t- foul tip one right off my wrist, and I heard it pop, and. uh it, it, it was, and I could tell it was swelling up right away. And I, I told the trainer, "Just safe enough, I'm good. I'm gonna play." And I played the rest of the game. I got a base hit, a broken wrist. <laughs> and I, as soon as I, I, after the game, they kept the tape off, and it just swelled up like a balloon. It made me go to the hospital, fight all my, you know, no, I'm good. I'm gonna go home. I'll see you guys tomorrow, you know. And now, now I gotta go. And uh, and, and they, they, I have to get a cast put on it. And they ended up sending me to Puerto Rico. And then on Thanksgiving, I got a call from the Mariners saying, "Hey, we're taking you off the 40 man roster, but you can come to camp next year." And, Try to make the team, and I, I it just and, then, and I got hurt again the next year with a with a dislocated shoulder or separated shoulder, and then the year after that, it blew my knee out. It's just these three critical years in a row. You know, as a catcher, you know, you need your arm and you need your knees, and these are just major body parts that uh, were just that they, they were failing on me, and so uh, that that part of it has been for me, you know, the hardest thing to swallow. All of the greatest great things that I, I did in all American in college. And, I was all star on, on most of the all, on the teams. I was the MVP on, the, on one of my minor league teams, and all this great, you know, early pro career success. It just it, it was never fulfilled, and so, you know, and, and a part of me, you know, I, I wrote this book to kind of maybe try to get to the big leagues in another way. And so when the book hit number one, I kind of felt like I got my call up for a big day, like a weekend. I got I got a call up for the weekend, you know. So you know, you got to frame frame life, and then certainly, you know, 
I, I would have loved to have a, a, a different, you know, career. And so all my friends, you know, had this family. Fred Boone was like a good, good friend of mine. And, you know, the guy played 15 years in the big leagues. He was a minor, a college room, a teammate with me and a pro uh, teammate and roommate on the road. Um, and, and a great friend. And, you know, we had both the same kind of background, the third generation background. We both just, you know, almost had the same brain because of, uh, of how we grew up. And luckily for him, he didn't get hurt and he was able to get onto the, to the Mariners. Uh, uh, and at the year, the same year that I was getting called up the same time, we would have been there at the same time. And for his, to his credit, you know, he was able to take that, that little, window offered that that window just opened and he and he got through the window for that up with that opportunity and he took advantage of it and he and he played for fifteen years, you know. Uh that that was my goal. That's what I wanted to do. But you know, sometimes, you know, God has a different plan and so I'm just kind of following along here, see what's uh see what I'm supposed to be doing here on this planet, you know. Yeah, I mean, no question about it. 15 years, I, I think Max is out your, and again, you can clarify this uh, certainly for me and, and for the listeners, but 15 years, I think you maxed out at uh, at, at the top or, or one of the top uh, levels of, of pension, right? It's uh, Is 10 years the magic yeah. number between being a coach and being a player, right? So it doesn't matter if you're a player for one year and a coach for nine or vice versa or split in any, right. uh, is, is, is that accurate? It's something like that, but I also know that um, if you were a player uh, or a coach after the last collective bargaining agreement, it, it, a lot of things changed to your benefits. So all the all the benefits went up. I know my dad; um, he, his last game in professional baseball uh, was in 1974, I believe, and uh, and that was before this new agreement. So you know he's on a pension right now. He played he played enough years in the majors to get a, a basic pension, but. You know, it's a few thousand a month, you know, but some of these guys, I think that they're, it, it, last I heard it was 108 um, uh, a year, I believe, and I could be wrong, but. Did you say 108 yeah, or 180? 180, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's nice. 180, but, but, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, for instance, I've played 15 years in the big leagues, like money's not necessarily uh, an issue, you know what I mean? So right. it's kind of a, a weird system. Um, I, I kind of feel like, the, you know, that, and that, that's been the problem with the minor leagues, you know, I had a chance to play one more year or maybe two more years, but it, it came down to an economic thing. It was like, man, if I'm going up to play this year, it's going to be a, a thousand a month, you know. And meanwhile, all the people in the crowd are cheering for you and they want your autograph. And you go and you do, you do signings and, and, you know, you're a celebrity in these towns and then they like hand you your paycheck and it's like, you know, yeah. uh, after, after taxes, 272 or 75 bucks. It's, yeah. it's, you know, and how are you supposed to live on that? Or I had a wife that's on it time. So for me, it was a, an economic reason why I stopped why I stopped playing, and and that's the benefit of some of these these guys who do. And I had some friends who got called up to the big leagues early, and and got hurt, and, and then they tried to work their way back, and, and they were able to afford to work their way back because they had that major league uh, experience. And that and that there's a, there are rules in the contract in the, in the collective agreement that if you could have one day in the big leagues, you have to make a certain amount of percentage of the big league salary. So these guys could make thirty forty grand playing in Double A. And meanwhile, I was making, you know, a thousand a month or twelve hundred a month in double A, you know, for five months of the year. Big difference, you know. So, um, the, the game, the game is also set up in such a way that's a little weird where, you know, again, the, the, the rich get richer, I guess, is, is the easiest way to say it. You know? Well, that's, that's in life in general, not a microcosm of life yeah. is baseball. So, uh, it always seems to, um, turn out that way. But let me remind folks again, just, who are just turning in, uh, tuning into us, or turning on their radios? Frank McKay here uh, with Jim Campanis Jr., the author of of Born into Baseball, Laughter and Heartache, 
at the edge of the show is the name of his book, a former professional baseball player, uh, his dad, Jim Campana Sr., and uh, and grandfather, Al Campanis, uh, was just uh, who had an amazing career in uh, in in baseball, and and basically, I, I and again, I've heard so many African American players and so many Latino players who knew your grandfather, and uh, Tom Lasorda was another big defender who just insisted that you know that this man doesn't have a racist bone in his body. And uh, and and I, it was good to see that you you saw a lot of people come out and and yeah. do that because the knee jerk reaction is uh, is to you know is to put a hood on his on his head you know and and make him out to be this uh, this demon who uh, you know who said these things. Keep in mind the generation too your grandfather was from. I mean this is a this is a whole different generation and I know nobody wants to hear it now, but in in more ways than one, Al Campanis did more to bring the 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 spotlight on race rela- relations and i think you part of it was maybe because he was exhausted he was tired uh, and and the other part is that he was being uh, you know he was being honest he was being uh, open about what uh, what the world was at that particular time and and again i'm you know not depending uh, defending uh, the thoughts that are there but certainly uh, you know in defense of your grandfather i mean this is a, a man who had such a great career did so much for african-american players for latino players and you know everyone you know all players and i don't think he saw them in in that light now you can correct me if i'm wrong because i didn't know him but no, I, and that's that and you know that's the, it's funny almost every time we get one of these uh, requests from espn or from whomever to uh, to talk about that particular you know uh night on nightline uh, Dusty Baker's often interviewed, and, and I've talked to Dusty uh, personally about this, and, and he's he's just very open that, you know, he, he uses this line, they got the wrong guy, because Dusty says, hey, there's guys out there that were racist, no doubt. He goes, but they got, not your grandpa, they got the wrong guy. You know, but, and, and, and I love when he says that, because there was, and maybe still is, somewhat of a, of a culture out there, uh, good old boy culture, and it's, it's, it's who you know. Um, and uh, that that made me feel really good. And, and again, Dusty actually said, you know, your grandpa's statements, as bad as they were for him and as, as tough as it was for you, you and your family, um, it, 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 it actually really propelled my career. And, you know, he's still managing today. And he said, you know, I, I probably wouldn't even have been looked at, at, at that, in that first interview from the very first job if your grandpa had made those statements. It was almost like, you know, we have to be invited. They have to invite me to the, to the interviews now, um, you know, to, to, to sort of, uh, uh, you know, show that there's been this, you know, the, like this equality thing. And he goes, and then but when I when I interviewed him, they, they loved me, and that was great. And, and his his record speaks for itself as a manager, you know. So no I, I, I like I love I love the idea that it you know if it's helped one person, one guy like like Dusty Baker, then all that pain was was worth it. But I'll tell you, it was tough when I was a player because what do they do when you go to the minor leagues? Right, they put your name on the, on the back of your jersey and they send you out to some town that you know uh, you're the enemy. You go into some like like small town somewhere and. You know, for me, it was it was like, oh, you know, let let me let me get the paper in the morning. And as soon as I opened it, they're like, oh, the Jacksonville Suns arrived with, you know, uh, grandson of Al Campana. It's like 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 that's like the, the, the headline, you yeah. know. Yeah. And I hadn't, I hadn't even played I hadn't even played yet, and you know, uh, now all of a sudden people come to the games to rag on me and rag on, you know. So I, I just have to deal with thick skin. But I will say that you know, probably every single game that I ever played after. April 6, 1987, whether it was in college or, or, or winter ball somewhere in, in Mexico or Puerto Rico, or like somebody said something, like yelled it from the stands and I heard it. Someone, even in Spanish, I knew enough Spanish to know what they were saying. And it was just, I mean, it was just something that I, I, I'd never wanted it to, 
to follow. You know, I, I kind of just wanted this thing to be over with, you know. Um, but it, 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 it was what it was. And, and I, I joke with my, my, my friends, but I used to, I tried to go back then. We were, the mullet was very popular, you know, yeah. party in the front, you know, business in the front, party in the back. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, so I tried to grow my hair long so it would cover my name so that they wouldn't be able to just back <laughs> if I see in my last name, you know. Wow. <laughs> and with the Mariners or whoever, they were like, dude, you got to cut your hair. It's getting too long. I'm like, come on, man. It's almost to the point where they can't read it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I, it was, it, it was, a uh, it was definitely, um, it was definitely tough at, 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 at points in, in the early times, you know, when I go to the bank and I show my ID, they're like, oh, are you related to that? You know, they almost stop and say racist, you know. Yeah, and horrible, it's, yeah. It's, it's, that, that, that part was very, very tough, but I got so many positive, um, uh, and, and my dad and my mom, and we all got, you know, from, from all walks of baseball, um, and every nationality, uh, and they talked about how fair my grandpa was and how that was never really, like, his M.O., um, so, so again, the, the part of what I'm trying to do with the book is just kind of enlighten people and let them know, for example, that my grandpa was a roommate with Jackie Robinson in the 40s. My grandpa played on Jackie Robinson's barnstorming team, which which historians believe is the first ever integrated baseball team that came the year be- the, the winter before Jackie was uh, the rookie of the year in the Dodgers in 47, so winter of 46, right? So, um, you know, all of this being said, you know, I, anyone who knows anything about baseball has kind of already just looked at that as, you know, garbage, this, this whole notion that Alcan Fantasy is a racist. But, you know, it's still out there. And, um, and, and it's those who are a little bit, I, I call them lazy journalists. Whenever someone says something racist, um, they immediately say, you know, remarks like Alcan Fantasy and Martin Shot, well, wait a minute, that, right. they're not even in the same No, ballpark. come on. That's that, not even the ridiculous, same. yeah. That's, that's ridiculous. Not even, it, it, Right, and Donald Sterling's, you know, his comments, and I'm here in L.A., and I'm starting to hear them. And I just, you know, and, and that that's where some people have really come to, to, to not just my defense, but to the, my, the defense of my family, where they're just calling these people lazy journalists, that, that they don't know the story well enough about Al Campanis. They just they just clunk him in with all of these other people who got, quote, busted for being, you know, uh, for, for people, you know, for the public to finally find out who they really are. Uh, well, that, that wasn't who my grandpa really was, so... Um, so ignorant, so ignorant, overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. It's been, it's been an overwhelmingly positive thing, though. When when someone you barely know is defending you and your family because they knew my grandpa and they knew the story, I, I, that that's one, again one of those wonderful byproducts of of this book. Um, and, and, and 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 the idea that, that you know we can maybe start to change the perception from the inside out instead of from the outside in. And so that's. That's been kind of part of the reason, uh, not the sole reason, but it's a part of the reason that I did write this book was just to kind of get that information out to people. I actually have a great picture, Jackie Robinson uh, documentary that came out of PBS last year. Um, I just was sitting there watching it, and, uh, and they just showed a quick little shot of um, of Jackie and Rachel having dinner, and right across the table with with his old cigarette in his hand, because back in the day he could smoke like five packs a day. So <laughs> there's uh, there, there's Grandpa with his. Um, right across having dinner with, with the Robinsons, you know, and to me, like that is that, that sort of, that sort of typifies what, you know, uh, they had, they were friends, you know, my grandpa and Jackie were friends. So I always say that, you know, if, if Jackie were alive, uh, were alive in 1987, when this interview went down, he would have been the first guy to, to step up and, and defend my grandpa's character, you know? So. No doubt about it. Well, listen, I, you know, you talk about lazy journalism, Boy, that's disgraceful that they could that they could uh, group your dad in with uh, with shot or uh, 
uh, or Donald Sterling, you know, whatever. I just I, come on, I, w- w- do your research. It's a much different situation. And, and by the way, and again, I'm going to remind everyone of who they're listening to. Uh, a wonderful author and former. Uh, professional baseball player, Jim Campanis Jr., born into baseball, uh, Laughter and Heartache at the Edge of the Show is the name of the book. Wonderful book, and everyone should get this. Uh, he's the the son of Jim Campanis and the grandson of Al Campanis Jr. I, I'm sorry, Al Campanis, and uh, Al Campanis uh, should be known for uh, discovering talent, you know, uh, such as uh, uh, Sandy Koufax, I don't know, or be related with Sandy Koufax and uh, and related to Roberto Clemente and so many other, uh, Lasorda, right? I mean, how many? How much influence did, did Al Campanis have over one of the great managers uh, in the game and, and, you know, influence right. over those like Dusty Baker? I, you know, I... I, I just would share one thing with you, and uh, by no means, I mean, is it as severe or or, or whatever, but it, it, the one thing is that nobody ever talks about it now. Uh, Joseph Patrick Kennedy, the uh, the father of John F. Kennedy and, and uh, Ted Kennedy and uh, Bobby Kennedy and, you know, the, the deceased uh, Joe Kennedy, who died in, in World War II, uh, he was the ambassador to, to the court of St. James. And he was speaking to a reporter, and he was speaking off the record, which I guess you know was foolish to for him to share these thoughts. But he was the ambassador to the court of St. James, which is basically uh, the UK ambassador. And he made a comment, and again, I'm going off of memory here, but the comment was basically that that Europe may be better off if uh, if Hitler took over, if Adolf Hitler took over Europe, you know that they they could learn a lot from him and so forth. And, and uh, of course, the reporter blew him up. And uh, and immediately, immediately FDR called for his resignation and to come back. And that was the end of his political career. That's how Joseph Patrick Kennedy's career ended. He, he wanted to be president one day, he thought he would possibly be. But as soon as that happened, he was he was done. But it was the Kennedy name was like, you know, of course, I mean, he's. He's telling a uh, he's telling a reporter to basically lay down. Everyone should lay down to Hitler. This is Joseph Patrick Kennedy, and, and of course uh, that was it was the end of him. And and you know he lost a son in the war, and of course JFK served in the war, and uh, and the the comments soon uh, were forgotten. And and JFK uh, took over, and, and you know you know became a senator, congressman, first senator, and uh, and of course president. After that, nobody was talking about uh, the comments made. But I mean, these were horrendous thoughts. I mean, horrendous thoughts. And by no means am I uh, comparing um, the uh, the statement of of your uh, your grandfather. But I, it's it's terrible, just terrible that somehow or another that uh, that his name is grouped in with uh, with Shot and Sterling. And and I'm glad you're out there writing books because you got such a great family name. And um, you know, and I encourage everyone to do their research before they uh, uh, jump to conclusions uh, at Al Campanis, but uh, really a great baseball man and uh, brought light to the whole issue of race and, uh, and, and ethnicity in, uh, in baseball for, for executives and, and for managers and the controversy um, it, and whether it was uh, inadvertent, obviously it was inadvertent to happen. It, it, resulted in positive results after it and then dialogue did and that started with april 6 1987 and uh, uh listen i'm thrilled that you have this book I, how much attention and we got about a minute left how much attention did you spend to the controversy in your book jim well you know it was it was basically one story but it it, it does come up you know in other ones but you know i just wanted to kind of um and, and by the way i was i was a student at usc at the time when i was taking a sports writing class when that 
when that happened, um, I asked the professor if I could write a, a, a story as a, because I, I, I was playing baseball at the same time and I needed an extra credit, you know, a little extra credit. So I asked if I could write an extra credit assignment. And he said, yeah, sure. Go write this about, you know, write, write about what you want to talk about, about what happened. And I, I submitted it to, to him in class. And then I didn't know this, but he went to a, a couple of newspapers and they published my story. And here I am a sophomore in college. And now I'm, I'm getting some, someone sends me a hundred dollars because I, I got published as a writer, you know, and, and I got an A in that class. And so it's just kind of funny how, you know, I never thought of being a writer. I never thought of being an author, but you know, when you have something to say and you can, and you somehow are able to communicate it, that's, that was really, and my grandpa was the most, uh, communication to him. He would just tell me, you need to, you always need to be able to speak with people. You need to be able to write. You need to be able to communicate. The human species is built around communication. And, it's just kind of funny, like that's how I'm ending up here at, at almost 50 years old, uh, and with this book. And now soon, my second book is, is hitting book coming out um, called Middle Thirty Approach, which I talk about in the very detail um, the way the elite players hit. So it's just, it's just, it's just like I said, this thing has been a total accident. But at the same time, I think it was almost, you know, meant, kind of meant to, meant to happen. And, and I, it's just been really a wonderful ride thus far, and, and looking forward to many more years of uh, writing. Uh, it's serendipitous or, or kismet, whatever you want to call it, but it's, uh, it, it's certainly um, a, a step in, in a great direction. Jim Campanis Jr. is the author of Born Into Baseball, Laughter and Heartache at the Edge of the Show, and Middle 30 Approach is, uh, look for that to, uh, to come out. Uh, Jim Campanis, I want to thank you very much for being here. Maybe we can get a part two and a part three in the one, one of these days. Oh, Frank, I'd love to. Anytime you want me on, I would be happy to do it. Great job, and congratulations on all the success of the book. Thank you very much. Again, I uh, best of luck with you and your show as well. Thank you, and I want to thank all of you for tuning in. Frank McKay here, but more importantly, our our guest has been author Jim Campanis Jr. Buy his book, Born Into Baseball, Laughter and Heartache, at the edge of the show. Uh, get it and look out for a middle 30 approach uh, part of the uh, part of a a, a great family uh, the campanus family uh, his father jim campanus and of course his uh, grandfather al campanus uh, and, and he talked openly about the controversy on uh, on april 6 1987 and uh, nightline and everyone get into it uh, and and look into it but uh, but don't do not group them in with the rest of those uh, rest of those folks uh, we'll see you all next week on breaking it down this is frank McKay. 